Hi, I'm Miranda Wright with HOWC Ministries. To learn more about our ministries, please visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com. Pele, your hats. It's wonderful counselor. And of course, it comes from Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the authority shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. All right, the word Pele, which is translated in this text to wonderful, in the original Hebrew means something wondrous to behold or a miracle. It's a wonder when we look at a miracle and we're just in wonder at how he did this miraculous thing. The Hebrew root word for yahatz means to advise or to counsel and guide. So when I think about the meanings of these two words put together, what it's really saying is that he will guide us and give us the advice that we need to guide us into miracles and marvelous things. He's the wonderful counselor. He doesn't just give us counsel. He doesn't just give us good counsel. He gives us the counsel that we need to be able to be guided into miracles, into marvelous things. The Bible says about Jesus that my sheep know my voice and another they will not follow. When we get saved, we ask, we come to faith in God. We ask him to forgive us of our sins. We choose to follow after him. But when he says that we're like sheep and he's like the shepherd, we learned in some of our Wednesday nights that in the Middle East, the shepherds led the sheep by voice. They would speak to him. They didn't beat him with a stick. They had no fences back then. They, they just, they learned voice commands and they followed the shepherd. And so we follow Jesus the same way. We sit and pray. We do devotions, we spend time with him, we listen to sermons, we listen to worship, and over time we begin to learn how he speaks to us through the things that are happening around us. Sometimes he'll show you something and it'll really stand out to you. Sometimes he'll speak to you through a sermon or a song. Sometimes it's just something that keeps coming up in your spirit or in the word and you know that he's speaking this to me. Sometimes it's that still small voice. You're learning his voice. As we learn his voice, he says that if we will follow the leading of that voice, then we will be counted his children. As we grow in grace, he's going to continue to tell us new things. We don't expect from our one-year-olds what we expect from our teenagers. And we don't expect from our teenagers what we expect from our 30-year-olds. <coughs> So the things that he teaches you when you're first saved and he'll show you things and he'll say, okay, now I want you to follow me and change some of these things and come out here. And we're like, okay, but it's not going to stop because you're going to grow in grace. You're going to keep following that voice. You're going to keep letting him counsel you, lead you, guide you. And if you let him guide you, he will guide you through miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. I think people that don't see miracles, it's because they're not following his voice and he's the miracle maker he's the miraculous if we follow him we're going to see miracles he does them all the time but if you're not listening and not following then you're not going to be where he is when he's doing them you won't see them 
The Bible also says that anytime we lack understanding, we can ask him and he will give it liberally, freely, abundantly. He's ready to help us. Sometimes we just forget to ask. Sometimes we think we got it figured out or we can make the best choice because of what we think. But if we're willing to ask, he's willing to guide. He's willing to give us that good counsel. John chapter 14, verse 15 says, if you love me, Jesus speaking this, keep my commandments and I will pray to the Father and he shall give you another comforter and he will abide with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but you know him for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. So Jesus was telling them, that he was going to have to leave because he was about to be crucified and he wouldn't be with them forever, but he wouldn't leave them comfortless. He was going to send them somebody else to be their counsel and their guide and their comfort. And he's telling them, you'll recognize him. The world won't recognize it, but you will because you'll know him because he's already with you. Basically, Jesus was saying, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit is my spirit and you'll recognize it because it'll be me but in spirit form. In that same chapter in verse 26, it says, but the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, or the ghost of Jesus, the Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. So the Holy Spirit's job is to be our teacher or our counselor. He is that wonderful counselor aspect of God. When we look at that Isaiah 9, 6, it's, it's giving you descriptions of all of the Godhead. It talks about the wonderful counselor, that's the Holy Spirit, and it talks about the Prince of Peace, that's Jesus, and it talks about the everlasting Father, that's God, but it's all part of the Godhead. The Holy Spirit is our counselor, and because of what Jesus did, we have access to him every day. But the truth is this, is that God has a purpose for us, and he desires to counsel or guide us into that purpose. We're never going to get there on our own because it's going to be miraculous and we can't do the miraculous. He can, but he will instruct us. And if we continue to follow him, he'll lead us into it and through it. And he'll do all the miracles around you. And all we have to do is keep telling people that it's coming from him and giving him glory for it. And he'll keep doing it. Following his advice and instructions will not only protect you because he knows all the plots and plans of the enemies. He knows all the snares and the tricks that the enemy has set up for you. So when we seek him and we pray and we get his counsel, he tells us how to walk around all the tricks and plots and plans of the enemy. So there is a protection in seeking his wisdom above our own. But not only that, it helps us and it makes you more productive in the kingdom. What you do will bear fruit and you won't waste a whole bunch of time in the wilderness trying to figure it out your own way. So before you do anything and in everything, stop and pray and seek the Lord. And he will literally lead you through the miraculous. The Bible says that eye hath not seen nor ear has heard nor has it even entered into the hearts of man the things that he has in store for those that love him. So we can't even imagine the plan that he has for us. How could we ever possibly hope to get there on our own? 
aside from his wisdom and counsel and seeking him and following his leading. And a lot of times he only gives you a little step. Sometimes it doesn't make sense. Sometimes it, feels, it looks like a step backwards. But he knows what he's doing. We have to trust his counsel. We can't even imagine what he has planned and what is coming. Because the reality is this, is that he's setting up his kingdom even now. And he has a place in it for you and a job for you to do to help bring others into it. He will counsel you on how to achieve this and set you up for the miraculous to demonstrate his infinite wisdom, glory, power, majesty, and authority. So going back to our main text in Isaiah chapter 6, we're going to look at it in correlation with verses 6 and 7. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, and of the increase of his government. That word right there that was translated to government in the original text means dominion or authority. Of his dominion and authority and peace, there shall be no end, right? His eternal kingdom is what it's talking about. So when it gives you these names and these descriptions, and then it says he's coming to set up his own kingdom, his authority and his power will begin to increase from the time he comes and it will continue to increase because he's setting up a kingdom and it's going to be upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth forever the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform it God will do it it doesn't matter what miracles he has to perform to do it so we have to choose if we want to see the miraculous, if we want to be part of the miraculous, if we want to be part of what God's doing and walk in the fullness of what he has planned for us, our place in this kingdom, we need to seek his counsel. We need to pray. We need to ask him to lead us every day and in everything because it's, sometimes it's the smallest things that seem so insignificant that God is using to set up his kingdom. We see that all through scripture. Right? They said, what good can come out of Bethlehem? Oh, Nazareth. That's right, Nazareth. Jesus came out of Nazareth. What good can come out of Nazareth? Most of the disciples came from Bethsaida, and it literally means fishing town. Right? So most of the people that God chose to use to change the world came from a place just like Simsport. Right? I'm sure they thought we're insignificant and none of this can mean anything. They were people that most people didn't like. Matthew was a tax collector. That means he was hated by all of his, his brothers and countrymen. And Mary Magdalene was a, a prostitute that had to have seven demons cast out of her. Like he used the least likely people that seemed so insignificant. Even Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament, when he was sitting in prison at a certain point, said that nobody stood with him. How insignificant must he have felt all of his labors and life was that even the churches he had planted had turned against him and were preaching against him and everybody was saying that God wasn't with him and that's why he was in prison. But yet God used him. I think most of these people within their life, even Job, because Job didn't write his own story. God actually told Job's story to Moses and Moses wrote his story after the fact. 
So there was no way for Job to even see any possibility for anything, for anybody to see his story. But yet God is still using it to this day. We don't know how God's going to use us, but he has a purpose and he will guide you through the miraculous if you let him be your counselor. Have you sought his counsel today? He made a way for you to enter in and come boldly before the throne of grace, so don't waste it. He has good counsel waiting for you in the place of prayer. Because of what Jesus did, we've been washed and cleansed and filled with the Spirit, and we have the ability to go and talk to God personally. Before what Jesus came in the Old, King, the Old Testament, the way the average person had to go to a priest, they couldn't go to God directly. But now Jesus becomes our priest, and what he did gives us the ability to talk to God directly. That's a big thing. And I think that we take it too lightly, and we don't utilize it as much as we should because we don't realize what a blessing and benefit that it is. In Jeremiah 29, verse 13, it says, And ye shall seek me and find me when ye shall search for me with all of your heart. We come to God in prayer half-heartedly, distracted, thinking about other things, and we don't get anything. Or we get something quick and in the passing, and it, it wasn't even God, and we get more confused. He says, but if you come to me with all of your heart, disconnect, shut everything down, lock everything up, get in the closet. <laughs> the good place to be. Send everybody home. Do what you have to do. Get all of the distractions away he says, go into the inner room and shut the door. Get shut in. Leave the phone out. Whatever you have to do to be fully focused and give him all of your heart and all of your attention. If we can't give him our whole heart, our whole attention, it's because our heart's divided. We're focusing on something else. And he says he won't share his glory with another. He's a jealous God. He wants all of us. We have to love him with all of our heart, all of our soul, then he will come and speak to us. David waited upon the Lord. And sometimes in prayer, we have to sit and wait upon the Lord because sometimes he's just waiting for all of the other things to go, to fade away. All of the things you're thinking about, all of the distractions. He's like, you done yet? You done yet? You done? Okay. Now it's just us. Sit with the counselor and let him counsel you before you try to counsel those around you. We have a lot of bad counsel going on because people are trying to counsel who have not been counseled by the counselor. There's a lot of people with counseling degrees that have been given paper by men who have not sat with the counselor and they're giving bad advice that is not helping anyone. If you wanna help people, sit with the counselor, sit with God. He will give you wisdom he will give you words, he will give you revelation, and he will give it to you right when you need it, and then he'll cause someone to cross your path for you to release it to. He wants to counsel those around you that don't know how to hear him directly yet. But before you can do that, you have to sit and submit to his counseling yourself. It's not a hard thing when we come into God's counsel. He's not like a mean boss that wants to hound you about everything you did wrong and tell you you've got to do this, 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 and that and get this done. And Sometimes we get that notion of God and it makes us run from the prayer closet because we, we just don't want to have to deal with it. But it's more, his counseling is more like a, a good parent, like a dad who's 
taking his young son and letting him help him fix the lawnmower. He doesn't need his help to fix the lawnmower, but he enjoys the company and he's trying to teach him things. Or like a mom teaching you know, their daughter how to bake cookies and sometimes it would be easier to bake the cookies without them. <laughs> but you enjoy them being with you and you enjoy teaching and you're preparing them to do bigger things later. That's what God's counsel is like. We go and we sit with him and we read our devotions and our word and we, we pray and we try to listen and, and pick up the things he's trying to speak to us. And it's a good thing. It's because he wants to be with us. He enjoys being with us and he wants us to enjoy being with him. We want our kids to enjoy being with us. But it's also because he's teaching us and he's preparing us for bigger things later. We're preparing our children for bigger things once they're more mature. We don't, it hasn't even entered into our mind to understand the things he's preparing us for. Because not only is he preparing us for big things in this life, he's preparing us for things we can't even imagine in the forever that comes after this life. I mean, we don't just go sit on a cloud and play a harp when we go to heaven. He says, you will rule and reign with me. There are things we're going to do, and we don't even understand all of that, but he's teaching us things here to prepare us for those positions. He's seeing what he can trust us with in the things that we're doing now. Just like with your kids, you, you give them a puppy and start giving them a little responsibility. You're testing them. If they don't show much responsibility, you might take some of that responsibility back and you're surely not going to give them more. But if they show themselves responsible, you might give them a little more responsibility and you might give them a reward for it. God does the same thing with us. So be faithful in the little and seek his counsel. Don't be afraid to ask questions. It's his delight to counsel and to teach and to instruct. He enjoys it. And he wants you to enjoy spending time with him and learning from him too. So don't run from him. Come and let him teach you and guide you into wondrous, miraculous things. Or trust in the counsel of your own emotions, wants, and understanding and end up with soup like Esau. In the Bible, there was a man named Esau who just did what he wanted to do. He trusted in his impulses. He trusted in what he thought. And he actually gave up all of his birthrights and blessings and wonderful things that God had in store for him and traded it for a bowl of soup because he didn't take things seriously. He didn't seek God's counsel or he would understand how serious a situation was that he was dealing with. James 1.5 says, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask God, who gives to all men liberally, and upbraideth not. In other words, he doesn't withhold it from you, and it shall be given to you. If you need wisdom, if you need to understand something, ask him. The answer doesn't always come immediately, but the answer will come. He's going to find a way to answer you. Be patient, keep asking and wait, and, and be vigilant. Keep your eyes open for the ways that he will answer you. Sometimes you'll open the Bible and, and the story you read in the Bible will just, it'll be the answer that you need or the verse will be what you need. Sometimes the pastor might preach about it on Sunday or somebody might come and pray for you and, and just straight up speak the answer or maybe it'll come out in the worship. Or maybe even you pass a billboard on the side of the road and there's a sign and like that's your answer. And God's like, here's your sign. He does those things. Sometimes I'm like, Lord, please just make it kindergarten. 
You know, sometimes I'm praying, you know, with these big elaborate prayer groups of ministers from all over the world and we're seeking for an answer. And I'm like, Jesus, we need this answer. Please make it kindergarten for us. We need to understand this easy and quick. I'm not trying to be eloquent and elaborate. Make it kindergarten. And he will. He knows our frame and remembers that we are but dust. The counsel of the flesh is inconsistent. What we think, what we feel, what the enemy speaks into our ear. When God speaks something to us, the Bible says, test the spirit, make sure it's of God. Because the enemy can speak to us too. But the enemy will be inconsistent because he's a liar by nature. So it'll be one thing and then another thing and then another thing. And it's just all over the place. God will be persistent and consistent. He will give you the same thing in a hundred different ways. But it will stay the same. He won't change. The counsel of the flesh would be like Abraham's wife when she told Abraham, uh, take Hagar and go have a son. And then a few verses later, she's like, get rid of Hagar and get rid of the son. That was not God's counsel. God's counsel through the story stayed the same. I'm going to give you a son. Just wait for it. God is consistent. The devil is wishy-washy. Seek the Lord, get his wisdom, and stand on it. Because if you trust anything else, including your own thoughts and ambitions, it won't end well. There was a king in the Old Testament. Pastor Daniel did a sermon, a very good sermon on it, King Rehoboam. And it says that he did evil in the sight of the Lord because he prepared not his heart to seek the Lord. It doesn't say that he intentionally did evil. It doesn't say that he was this horrible, evil person. But because he didn't seek the Lord, by default, he did evil. Because he didn't do what God said. God's the only one who knows what will be the right course and what will turn out right. And if we don't seek God, then the things that we do will turn out bad. Proverbs chapter 2 verse 1. God gives this counsel and this wisdom. One of the ways that God counsels us is through his word. Proverbs is a book of wisdom. Psalms is another book. It's songs, but there's wisdom in it also. This is counsel from the Lord. It says, My son, if thou wilt receive my words and hide my commandments with thee, in other words, learn his word in the scripture and keep it within you, so that thou incline thy ear unto wisdom and apply thine heart to understanding. Yea, if thou criest after knowledge and liftest up thy voice for understanding, in other words, he's saying if you seek after Wisdom through the word of God and from God. And if you cry out and pray to God, asking him for wisdom and for understanding, then if thou seekest her as silver, in other words, seek to hear from God more than you seek to make money or anything else, and searchest for her as for hidden treasure, dig deep into the word. Look into it like you would be digging for buried treasure. Don't just read the surface, but ask the Holy Spirit before you read to reveal things to you. And sometimes it might even just be one little phrase in the middle of a story that really just comes alive and speaks. Then shalt thou understand the fear of the Lord. But if we do these things, then we shall begin to understand the fear of the Lord and find knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. Out of his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. He lays up sound wisdom for the righteous. He is a buckler to them that walk uprightly. He keepeth the paths of judgment. 
He preserveth the way of his saints. The way that he preserves us is through seeking his wisdom. He guides, he counsels us, not only into the miraculous, but around the plots and plans of the enemy. Then shalt thou understand righteousness and judgment and equity. Yea, every good path, when wisdom entereth into thine heart and knowledge is pleasant unto thy soul, discretion shall preserve thee. So when you desire to learn from the Lord, when you hunger, when you get to that place where you want to go to your word, where you want to go to prayer and communion and fellowship, where you're desiring that more than entertainment or anything else, that's when you know that you're going to be covered and protected and preserved that you're moving in wisdom and in the fear of the Lord, understanding shall keep thee to deliver thee from the way of the evil man, from the man that speaketh forward things. I've experienced so many times where people laid snares for me. They tried to entrap me. They tried to mess me over. Or, But it really, it was the devil in people. It's not really people. And God gave me wisdom in the tactic that was being used and I was able to avoid it. Actually, many times able to turn it around on the enemy where those very people were saved. But you have to seek him because you won't be able to do it in your own strength. The devil will run over you. The Bible says that the devil was the wisest creature ever created. So we can't outsmart him in our own wisdom. But God is wiser than him. So if we seek his counsel, he will give us the instruction that we need to outsmart him every time and many times turn his own plans against him. Jeremiah 29 verse 12 says, Then shall ye call upon me, and ye shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you, and ye shall seek me and find me when you search for me with all of your heart. So he is a good and wonderful counselor. He gives us all the advice that we need. He leads us into marvelous, miraculous, amazing things. Sometimes it leads us through a Gethsemane or a wilderness or a difficult season, but we have to keep trusting him. And if we keep following his leading, we will see things that no one can explain. We will stand in the way of men and be able to give a testimony that he is real. He is God because no man can do these things that are being done. All right, we have many testimonies here of that. There are people who say that they don't believe in God because they've never seen anything. We are the example, the testimony that proves that the blood of Jesus works. When Pastor Daniel gives the testimony of how he was delivered from drugs in an instant, when Corey and Brianna can stand before the judge and, and say, look, look, look at how good we're doing. No rehab. The Lord is able. The Lord is able. That proves that this is real. It proves the validity. And when we seek his counsel over man's counsel, he will lead us through these miraculous things. And it's these miracles because these are miracles. When Brother Wayne can give his testimony of all that God has delivered him from and brought him through, all of the medications he no longer has to take, when Daddy can give his testimonies or Brother Chris can give his testimonies of how God healed them out of wheelchairs and out of deathbeds and all of these things because they sought God's counsel and God moved through these miraculous ways. Somebody sought God's counsel. Somebody trusted God. And sometimes he's going to ask you to get into a very difficult position because he wants to set up that miracle. That's the important part of seeking his counsel because we're never going to put ourselves 
in those positions. We're never going to choose Gethsemane. Gethsemane was the place where Jesus prayed and cried out before his crucifixion, if it be possible, let this cup pass, but nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. We're never going to choose to put ourselves there. But he sought God's counsel, and God said, no, I need you to do this. I need you to go through this because I need to prove something miraculous on the other side of this. He's going to do the same with us, but we have to seek, and we have to trust. And this is the big issue, learning to trust the Lord more than we trust us. This message was brought to you by HOWC Ministries. To learn more about our ministries, please visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com.